Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, there's no guesswork here. Mark doesn't leave it open for discussion. He's not trying to hide Jesus' identity. He lets the readers know straight off the bat that this book is about Jesus and he is God's son. And this is good news. This is good news. The thing is, though, just simply telling something, some, somebody something doesn't necessarily make it true. I could tell you until I'm blue in the face that I have blonde hair. And we all know that that's just not true. I like being brunette, it's fine. Now, there were many people around the time of Jesus who were actually saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one who's to come. They were the person that God had sent. So Mark needed evidence to back up his statement that Jesus was the son of God. Now, when I worked as a reporter, when you wrote a story, you always needed quotes from different sources to back up what you were saying, to make sure the story you were writing is reliable. And because I work for a good newspaper, you always put the names of the people quoted, unless there's a very, very good reason to keep the person's identity hidden. Now, Mark writes the gospel to back up his claim that Jesus is the son of God, so people could read all about Jesus and see for themselves who Jesus is. And when Mark wrote his account of the gospel, he wrote it very soon after Jesus' resurrection. And this meant that most of the people who were in the story would still have been alive when people were reading the gospel, which meant if you didn't really know that this was true, you could actually go and ask some of the people that were mentioned in the book. And the book is quite specific about who these people were. Mark says Jesus is the son of God and then starts writing down what Jesus did and said all of which he writes point to Jesus being the son of God. So Mark says Jesus is the son of God and another question we might ask at this point is why is it important that Jesus is the son of God? Jesus walked 2,000 years ago on earth Why is it relevant to my life now in 2019? It's so important to evaluate Jesus' claims because he said things that have a huge effect, not just in this life, but in the life to come. He wasn't saying he was just an ordinary man. He wasn't saying he was a good moral teacher. He was saying he is, I am the son of God. And we remember when Jesus is on trial and people are hurling accusations at him and he says before Moses I am and people wanted to kill him they wanted to pick up this this stones and throw at him because he was saying I am God I think it was Richard Dawkins who said Jesus never claimed to be God that's rubbish it's right there in the bible he did claim to be God and people wanted to kill him for it C.S. Lewis said about Christianity said this Christianity if false is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Jesus made claims that have to be tested and evaluated. When Mark wrote the gospel, he was announcing to all people that this is good news. It's not just good news for some people, 
It's good news for all people at all times. It's good news because Jesus came to give us life. It's good news regardless of race, regardless of status, regardless of sexuality, regardless of gender. For all people, Jesus is good news. So let's go back to the first sentence, Mark writes. Mark says in the first sentence, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And at Christmas, you may remember that I said that when the, that said that the angels, um, when they came to the shepherds, said this is good news of great joy for all people. This is good news. And in the sea of news at the moment, that to be honest, makes you lose any sense of what's real, what's right or true, Mark writes that this is good news. This is the one, this is the news that you can actually rejoice about. This is good news. And it's true, which is amazing as well. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm just excited. I get excited about things. And if I have good news, I want to share it with people. If I have good news, I have to tell everybody. And there'll be times when I have had good news and there's nobody around to tell it with, so I'm just sitting there and I'm like, ooh, like a little puppy, you know, when they sort of shake in the corner. Um, so I'll have to ring people and say, this is really good news, something's happened and it's great. Um, I, sometimes I ring people when they're in work as well, which is a bit naughty, but there we go, I just get excited. So Mark had to tell people, look, this is really good news. And if we come to the same conclusion as Mark and accept that Jesus is the Son of God, it is the best news we will ever receive. It's good news because Jesus coming to earth shows us who God is, that he loves us and wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. He wants to be in relationship with him. And it also shows that every person is made for a purpose and that we have a purpose in life. Today, many people say, oh, there is no God. Well, you don't believe in that nonsense, do you? We all evolved from apes. We, you know, just a matter of time plus space plus chat. I, I don't know the, the math. That's just bad, isn't it? But um, we're an accident. We're a cosmic accident. Nobody has purpose. We're just ambling around. But Jesus walking on the earth shows people who God is and what he is like. When you come face to face with Jesus, you come face to face with God. Jesus shows us that he loves us completely. In his life, he shows us he loves us completely. In his death, he shows that he loves us completely. In his resurrection, he shows his complete love for us. In our day-to-day -day lives, he shows his love for us. Recognizing and accepting that Jesus is the Son of God gives us purpose. We can only find true significance and real meaning in our lives once we realize there is a God who created us, who loves us and wants us to know him. Otherwise, really, we're just a bunch of atoms colliding into each other. Someone who knew what it meant to be loved by God and be called according to his purpose is John the Baptist. And he's the first person we meet in Mark's gospel other than Jesus. Now, John, as we discovered, is a bit of a quirky character. He wears a camel skin and has a weird diet. Now, it's not Atkins, paleo, carb-free or fat-free. He's on a diet of locusts and wild honey. I don't know if they'd recommend that in Slimming World, to be honest. 
Um, but it says that he lived in the wilderness. He was in the wilderness. And he was telling people to repent of their sins. And that word repent literally means to change your mind about your sins, to change your mind and be baptized to turn away from your sins. Now, John the Baptist had quite the following. I think it says that the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Now, John doesn't use this popularity to point to himself and say, oh, look how great I am. Instead, he says, after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And if you read in John's gospel, he says that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. And this humility is so alien to us in the 21st century, where we seem more than ever to be driven by idolizing the self. Let's face it, who would have predicted 50 years ago that most people would have pages online dedicated to themselves, where they post pictures of themselves, that they talk about what they've had for dinner, um, just idolizing the self. And the Western world is confused because we're in a culture where the self is celebrated to such an extent that it's doing serious damage. Now, there are countless self-help and wellness books available, and yet the really sad thing is that people are completely unhappy and unfulfilled. Self-esteem is rock bottom, and I see it all the time in youth ministry. It's surprising how many people are dealing with self-esteem, self-confidence. It's awful in a world where we're supposed to be promoting the self. People are constantly striving for the next thing and the next thing. Oh, I'll be happy when I have this. Or when this happens, I'll be happy. More money, a better job, when my kids have left, when they've moved out. Sorry, Dad. Um, (laughs) When my kids visit me more, once they've left, when the weekend arrives. Or when the weekend, I'm looking forward to the weekend, the weekend arrives. Or when I can go on holiday, or when I can retire, then I'll be happy. It's always the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. There was an article written about lead singer of the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger. Now, he is in the top 100 of Britain's richest people. I don't know if that's still the case. But he has houses with millions all over the world. He has famous friends. He has the most, had, you know, his most beautiful girlfriends. He hasn't met me yet, obviously. Joking. It's not my type. It's not my type. <laughs> Bit old for me. Um, he is famous. <laughs> he has influence. Yet this is what his friend Keith Richards writes about him. He says this, 99% of the male population of the Western world and beyond would give a limb to live the life of Jagger, to be Mick Jagger. But he is not happy being Mick Jagger. He has got all this stuff and he is not happy. So I suppose that song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, is quite sad when you think about it. We were never designed to idolize the self. We were never designed to worship ourselves. We were designed for the purpose of worshiping Christ, to have a relationship, to know him and understand who we are in comparison to him. Now, in spite of his great number of followers, which can go to somebody's head and to anybody's head, John points to Jesus. Someone is coming, he says, who is greater than me. Knowing who Jesus was gave him purpose. And he realised life wasn't about focusing on the self. It was about drawing attention to Jesus Christ. 
When you answer the question, who is Jesus as Mark does, the son of God, it gives you purpose. You begin to understand and appreciate the unique way God has made you and allow him to use you for his purposes and plans because you're not serving yourself anymore. Knowing who Jesus is brings you freedom. It helps you understand who you are and what you are living for. Um, Ephesians 1 verses 11 to 12 in the message paraphrase says this. It says, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designed on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. There's so many books out there written about finding yourself. So many songs are about finding yourself. I don't even know what that means because, you know, you look down where you are, don't you? But it's only when you discover the answer to the question, who is Jesus, that you discover to the, the answer to the question, who am I? Why am I here? It's in the light of him. John's life points to Jesus. John the Baptist knew who he was in comparison to Jesus and he spent his life pointing people to Jesus Christ. He went around saying to people, stop looking at me. Instead, look to Jesus. Now, if you're a born-again Christian here, if you know Jesus here this morning, then we should be doing as John did. Not living in the wilderness and eating crazy diet, um, but living lives that are pointing always to Jesus. We're not called to live like everybody else. We are called to live a radical life of service and of love. Our lives should be so against the status quo that it causes people around us to sit up and take notice well, why are they so different to everybody else? Our lives should point to Christ so others are able to discover God's love for themselves and in turn receive life. How does your life point to Christ this morning? Jesus Christ came to give us life in every sense of the word. Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief as the devil comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it to the full. Some people think that Christianity is all about rules and rituals and feeling guilty, and that's not true. We have, we have, God gives us rules, and they're important because they keep us safe. They protect us because he loves us. But Christianity is about a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. In Jesus, there is life, there is freedom, there is hope, there is purpose. So this is the beginning of the gospel of Mark, of the good news of Jesus Christ. And for many of you, this is probably the hundredth time you've read this gospel. But maybe for people who, some people here, this is the beginning of actually sitting down with this book and taking it seriously. Maybe you've been following Jesus and you know what it means to have life, but you're in a season now where you're falling away and you're struggling. But with Christ, there is always an opportunity to begin again. There's always a new beginning in Christ. 
And what I find interesting as Christians, when someone decides to become a Christian, we say the following, don't we? We say, so-and-so invited Christ into their lives. But the thing is, Jesus was already intimately concerned in your life before you knew him, before you accepted him into your heart. And if you're sitting here this morning, it's because you have responded to Christ's call, unless you've been dragged you um, against your will, in which case we'll have a chat afterwards. Um, <laughs> but Christ has been intimately involved in your life since before you were born. And he has plans and purposes for you that he is tailor-made to the gifts and abilities he's packed on the inside of you. If you are here this morning, it's because Christ has been drawing you to him. And he didn't just come to give us life in the present either. He came to give us eternal life, life that goes on forever. And John 3.16 says this, I love this verse so much. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is good news. That's really good news. The good news is that you were so loved and that God wants a relationship with you. You were loved so much that God sent his only son to die on the cross for you. Something that we don't deserve. And this relationship starts by answering the question, who is Jesus? And then responding by giving him your heart and life, by letting him take the reins of your life. So perhaps you were on a journey this morning and you'd like, you'd like this to be the beginning, the start. Maybe you're sitting here and you're not ready to commit your life to Jesus because you don't know enough about him. In a moment, we're going to pray, pray. Um, and you can repeat it in your heart where you ask Jesus to show you who he is, to reveal himself to you. And I know in my own experience, when I've sat with youth and they're like, oh, I just, I don't know who Jesus is. And I was like, well, have you asked him? Ask him to reveal himself to you. And it's been amazing the stories I've heard about, you know, one youth in particular came to me and said, oh, Jesus, I, you know, I don't know if this was a coincidence, but I was praying about it and this song came on about Jesus in this totally secular place. And I was like, well, maybe that's Jesus revealing himself to you. You asked him and he's doing it. Now you might have known Jesus for years, but perhaps you're feeling at the moment that you're entering a new season, the beginning of a new season of your life where you need to hand things over to God. And perhaps you're uncertain of what God is calling you to do next. Micah 6 verse 8 says, this is what God requires of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God.